Hello and welcome to the Pen Attic Podcast. This is episode 491. That's a lot of episodes. As you can tell, my name is Brad. This is not Mike. Um, I Mike is in his velvet jacket gallivanting around the world once again. Um, so he has asked me to step in, find a guest. And this is a guest I have actually been wanting on here for a while. And I am very excited to introduce Annabelle Hiller to the show. Hello, Annabelle. How are you? Hello. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. What a what an honor to be invited on. Really excited to talk to you. I've followed you online for years. We've talked, you know, <laughs> as as internet people talk, like yeah. we 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 air quote talk. It's like, hey, Annabelle, do you know about this pen? <laughs> or, <what? laughs> or hey, can I send someone to you to fix something for them? But um. I have to ask the most Mike question I've ever asked. And this is a this is one of the things that he's known for that I'm not really known for because I personally don't like this question. But for you, I, I really have to know how you're going to answer this question. What is it that you say you do? Uh, <laughs> what do I do? That depends mm-hmm. on who you ask, probably, yeah. depending on mm-hmm. where they might connect. But I'm a I'm a jack of lots of things. Mm-hmm. I I guess I'm a designer, kind of. I am a mm-hmm. goldsmith. That I know. Um, I'm yes. a nip specialist slash nip meister, if you like that word. Feeder meister, mm. maybe. I don't know. Um, we can discuss that. We can discuss that terminology <laughs> oh later. That's actually a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I I make stuff and I fix stuff so that they may continue to work in the future. That's beautiful. That's exactly what I think. Like that's that's a great way to put it. Because I get that question, and I it's impossible to ask when you do lots of things. I mean, it's impossible to answer when you do a lot of things. And like I boiled it down to, like when I'm talking with people I don't know, I just say I talk about pins on the internet, and then <laughs> they do that. They do that sideways dog head tilt. Like, what did you just say? Sure, I like, sure. I mean, yeah. that's that's. I mean, we can explore that more if you want, but otherwise, I'm good with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how you said that. Like I, I design things and to let people, you know, uh, use them for the entirety of their life. So that that's great. So I want to dig into the to your background because that's I asked you that question because you know knowing you a little bit, I know you're into a lot of things. And when I first discovered you online, I can't remember. It's been years, but I was like, oh, look at. Annabelle's Instagram. There's harps everywhere. So let's let's start with the music background, right? And and tell me tell me you know what music was a part of your life and and you know um, how that period of time was for you, right? So so the audience can't see me right now, but you can, mm-hmm. and there's a harp right mm-hmm. in, right behind me, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I grew up with a ton of music. Maybe because I'm Austrian and there's just a lot of music is very, very important in Austria. Um, it's very heavily funded by the government. Um, it's very easy to get any sort of musical education. And um, so I was kind of thrown into it at a very, very early age. I started playing the piano when I was six um, and I started playing a harp when I was 10. I started conservatory for harp when I was 12. Wow. Um and just kind of did that. I went to a music high school um, in Vienna, which is for people like me that would that started conservatory quite early, but still wanted to get a high school diploma. So there would be a lot of like music classes baked into that high school, um, so you could get credit for the conservatory. So I just I did that a lot. So that was my main thing for uh, I don't know for so long. Um, and when I was around seventeen. I realized that had I actually practiced more, <laughs> that I could be really, really good. Because um, I was, I think I was solid. Like I was, I had potential for sure, um, which is why I could get away with not practicing for ages. And then at some point I was sure. like, oh, wait, my colleagues, they're like way ahead of me. Damn it. Okay, let's let's buckle down and let's actually go for this. So I decided to um, audition at different conservatories all around Europe. Mm-hmm. And the conservatory in Amsterdam was crazy enough to let me in. <laughs> and that's why I moved from Austria to the Netherlands to study with this very renowned teacher um, that teaches here and thought she would give me a chance for whatever reason. 
Um, so that's kind of my music background. I did that for about a year and a half and then I had to quit mm -hmm. for various reasons. Um, but yeah, music was the focus of, of what I thought would be my professional life for well over a decade <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like you put a lot of time in in and effort into that and I, I have to ask you specifically what drew you to the harp as like your your preferred instrument of choice um several things i'd say so first <laughs> i actually wanted to play the cello when i was little but mm -hmm. my mom wouldn't allow us to play an instrument where you had to control the pitch yourself because <laughs> that can sound very very bad for a long time before you like get a grip on that but, she was she was it was self-preservation on her part <laughs> yeah for sure um but when i was 10 um we were in Salzburg for the summer um Salzburg is also where my mom is from and where mozart was born and all that fun stuff and we were just in the inner city and there was a harpist playing on the street just busking and i saw that and i was like why? Mm. What's that? <laughs> that's, that's nice. And I just, I sat down in front of the, like, as close as I could, like, you know, as I could get without being too embarrassed. And just, I sat down and listened to her. And I thought maybe 10 minutes had gone by, but apparently it's been like two hours. And at some point my what? mom was like, where's that daughter of mine? What happened? Um, I was just mesmerized. And that's kind of when I decided I wanted to play that. And uh, my mom being who she is, she was like, okay, I guess. I guess that's your <laughs> second instrument now because everybody plays yeah. at least two instruments. So so yours was piano. First uh, piano, was, piano and then harp. And then we also did lots of singing and choir stuff. Gotcha. Up as well, yeah. Gotcha. All right. One, one more uh, one more harp question because I, I am just really, really <laughs> ignorant in, in this whole thing. And I'm I'm fascinated to know how would you compare the level of difficulty of playing the harp to like just any other instruments in general, where would it stack as far as complexity? Because from an outsider, for someone like myself who knows mm -hmm. absolutely nothing, it seems like one of the most intimidating, there's no way I could make this, you know, sound pretty at all type of instruments. Right. I mean, so I kind of have a default answer to that, which is every instrument is kind of hard and kind of easy. Um, mm -hmm. so, so what's really easy with the harp is just to generally get something that sounds kind of nice. You just pluck a few strings and you're like, oh, wow, pretty. Um, mm -hmm. however, on the harp, you don't usually just play a chord or a melody. It gets quite complicated. The, um, just the repertoire that we play is kind of tricky. And also the fact mm -hmm. that we don't just have two hands, but also two feet, because we have seven pedals that we need to take care of as well. So that's yeah. that's hard. Um, and if we attempt to try anything chromatic, I don't I don't know if you know how a harp works. Um, I don't know if you know much about music theory in general. Not really, not really. Okay, so I could get into that. But pedals <laughs> and chromatic stuff is really, really hard compared to on the piano, for instance. Like a piano is fairly easy to just kind of get a, just to play something simple. But there's like the repertoire can get so, so, so hard. Um, whereas a violin, it's really, really hard to make it sound good. And so the mm. threshold to get just something basic to sound good is quite high. I see. But they never have to play harmony. They never have to play like super big chords or whatever. They don't have to coordinate all four limbs. So, mm. so is that why violinists think they're so special? <laughs> I mean, the violin is very, very special. If you, like, so something that I really, really, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm jealous, but something that I wish the harp was capable of is just having one note and just putting so much like, I don't know, you can, because with a violin, you can play one note and you can expand, expand it and you can let it get it quiet and loud again. You can add like a vibrato kind of thing. But on the harp, you pluck the string and that's it. It can't gotcha. grow anymore. It can't. You just pluck it and it fades away. And that's something that I super, super love about string instruments that a harp or a piano just can't do, sadly. 
I, I'm assuming that's how your uh, your very now famous Instagram handle has, has came about <laughs> Str- at strings and pedals, which we will share we will share in the show notes, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yep. It just then moved into pen stuff, and now I feel like I can't change it anymore because I've always had it, and that's how people know me. And now that'll <laughs> yeah. forever be my username. Yep, yep, I think so. And and just for listeners out there, that wasn't uh, Annabelle playing the harp a moment ago. That was actually the bells <laughs> of the, the town hall in the background. And I want to leave them in because it was perfectly matched to when you were talking about how to play the <laughs> harp. And these bells started coming in and it was amazing and I loved it. Oh, <laughs> you God. told me that might happen and I'm excited that it did. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen a few more times. I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's perfect. So, you, you started to mention pens, but I'm not going to let you get all the way there yet because you had a transition when you decided that, you know, like pursuing music, you know, for the future wasn't necessarily the plan. Mm-hmm. And you changed paths. Um, I don't want to say like completely, like it's a completely different medium, but I think the idea of, say, moving, moving from music to jewelry making, which you did, I think there's, you know, just the way I think about that type of work, I think there's a lot of crossover in the person who does that in that you're working with your mind, you're working with your hands, you're, you know, you're making something, you know, just from your own creation. And then you have a platform to share that thing. So how did you get into jewelry making? And what was that transition like? Um, yeah, so actually, I'm going to cut you off right there. I don't really care about jewelry. And I've never cared about jewelry. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, so that's the wrong terminology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, so here's, here's what happened. Um, I had to quit music for one reason or another. Um, it being, it just wasn't feasible for me uh, mentally. I have horrible stage fright and that's not great mm-hmm. if you study <laughs> music performance. Sure. Um, but I also couldn't not do something creative. In fact, I never thought I was creative. I always thought I was recreative because I didn't compose music myself. I just played what somebody else invented. But mm-hmm. I knew I had to do something where I could, I don't know, leave my mark behind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually decided to do this goldsmithing study that I did, not because of jewelry. I don't really care mm-hmm. about jewelry. I don't really wear it. Yeah. I did it because I wanted to make pens. Um, nice. I knew that I wanted to work with pens in some regard. Um, I knew I wanted to do something creative. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that would mm-hmm. entail. But I figured learning how to manipulate metal is probably the best way to get there. And then as I did my goldsmithing study, it's un- they just make you make jewelry. and Which mm-hmm. is kind of cool because jewelry isn't... I mean... Jewelry can be anything, right? It can be quite artistic. So you do learn a sense of, I don't know, what is visually appealing, um, a, sh- a sense for shape and and art and composition and stuff. So that's definitely cool and helpful. But mm-hmm. And I will make jewelry occasionally, um, say like engagement rings for my friends or whatever, but it's not mm-hmm. really what I, what I got into metalwork for. That makes sense. Gotcha. So yeah. So like the the focus is really, I mean, I to I know I guess I have to trying to define it without defining it, but like goldsmithing and metalworking is more of the correct terminology for what you do and what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So tell tell me about the 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 program you went through because I was following you kind of your journey mm-hmm. and you know all all the the ups and downs and trials and tribulations <laughs> and it, it was it's like a real like it, it's a big deal to go through what you went through right um yeah ask me a more specific question because there's so much I could say <laughs> what was the schooling like right, right. you had to go to school mm-hmm. or were you working with like other masters and trainers specifically. Mm-hmm. So what was the process like of becoming essentially a, a, a master goldsmith? Is that the correct terminology? I guess kind of, it's, that, that's also a whole thing. Um, so, <laughs> Cause in the Netherlands, uh, there's not really like a law that says once you've done this, you're a master. There's a guild mm-hmm. that says you've had, you have to have run your own business for 10 years and have taught in order to consider yourself a master. However, I did make a masterpiece at the end of my study. So yeah, it's a whole thing. Nobody agrees on anything. Um, Gotcha. 
in I think in Austria, had I done the same course, I would be considered a master goldsmith there. So do with that what gotcha. you will. Um, yes. How many How many years was have you spent uh, working on years, this? Four years, baby. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. So it was actually it was interesting because I had this idea that goldsmithing might be cool, but I had no. <laughs> I'd never done anything like it. So. But what I learned um, or realized over, so I basically just jumped into it thinking, let's just try this. Maybe this is the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got really lucky in that it was the thing that I ended up being good at. And that- Love it. And what I I particularly loved about goldsmithing is that, um, so with harp, right, you usually have a certain time period where you prepare for a concert or whatever. But what really matters is the day of performance. If you screw up on that day, people just think you're bad. I, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not swearing. I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, we're, I'm going to give you a behind the scenes, give the listeners a, a behind the scenes. Annabelle has a swear button. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. If I up, then people are going to think I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is so happy right now. <laughs> So, yeah, so so the, the main thing that matters is the day of performance. If I don't feel well mm-hmm, that day, right. I'm, it's just not going to go well. Yeah. However, and you're with, defined by that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's just what people are going to perceive you as. But mm-hmm. with goldsmithing, you have a whole month or however long to prepare something. And on the day of the presentation, it doesn't matter how you feel because you've already done the work. You've already done everything mm-hmm. that you needed to do. And funnily enough, even so at, at the... The last year and a half of my study was just pure internship. So you work mm-hmm. with goldsmiths and they teach you and whatever. And I noticed even then that just by the fact that I was observed, I did much worse. Mm. So sure. it's really this me being observed makes me feel really, really insecure. And it's silly. Okay. But that's why I work from it's home not. and nobody can bother me here. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't think it's silly at all who's someone who deals with, you know, anxiety and like, you know, having to perform and things like that. Like it, it's a real thing and then can be just like debilitating. And I'm glad that it sounds like, you know, the go the goldsmithing is is really kind of what you were meant to do. And you're able to use that platform to go into pens. And you you mentioned before, like you decided to kind of go down this path because you wanted to make pens or or make or be involved in that industry. So I want to talk about that. I want to get into how kind of the, the pin thing started and, um, and kind of break all that down and then tie all this in together. But first let me take a quick break and talk about one of our sponsors this week. And that's, uh, that's Harry's. So you, you can hang out and chill for a minute, Annabelle. I'm going to, I'm going to get this, uh, Harry's ad in, in, and this episode of the pin Attic is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is the gift that keeps on giving their blades are sharp and long lasting and still as low as $2 each when it's finally time to replace them. Um, I'm a Harry's customer. I'm a Harry's fan. I use pretty much all of their products, um, especially the razor blades. They are the best I have ever used. I'm probably, I don't know, well into six, seven, eight years into using them. They're great. They're the perfect gift because they offer high quality and fair prices. They make sharp blades that last, German-engineered and award-winning razors that are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. So if your recipient doesn't love their shave, you'll get a full refund. This holiday season, listeners can get $5 off, plus free shipping on Harry's limited edition holiday shave set. Go to harrys.com slash pinaddict and check out, check out everything that they offer. The sets come with a weighted handle, three razor cartridges, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. Everything that you need for a smooth shave, all packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. To claim your $5 off plus free shipping, Go to harrys.com slash pinaddict. Our thanks to Harry's for support of this show and Relay FM. So I think um, $5 off of your final uh, project in goldsmithing class probably wouldn't make <laughs> a big dent in the purchase price of, of the pen that came out of it. So we will have a link specifically in the show notes mm-hmm. for what I'm talking about right now. But can you discuss... Um, the symphony. Oh boy. Oh, I could. I, in fact, I have talked about it for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I'm not bringing up any bad thoughts. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, no, it's just. Uh, so if you work on something for so long and you've invested 
so many hours of your life into it. It's very difficult to summarize, but the symphony is a pen. Very good. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's so, so when you do this, this four year study, um, I, I guess I haven't answered the question properly earlier. So it's a four year study. The first two and a half years, you kind of learn all the basic techniques, be it engraving, stone setting, just sewing, filing, whatever handy skills you need as a goldsmith. And the last year and a half, um, you work with goldsmiths and just get more trained. And they also prepare you to make your final masterpiece, um, which you spend about a year working on. So with the symphony, um, I decided to go back to my music roots um, as we mentioned, I was a harpist and mm-hmm. I decided to also go back to, I guess, my, my geographic roots, um, because the, the foundation for the symphony pen is Gustav Mahler's fifth symphony. Um, Mahler himself grew up, well, I, is that right? Um, I guess he did grow up, um, or at least spent his adult years in Austria he was a Jewish composer and conductor and he wasn't very liked at all <laughs> because it was the year 1902 and, um, mm. you know, historically lots of stuff was brewing there. Um, yes. But he composed this symphony, which the theme of the symphony also spoke very uh, closely to me, which is it, it kind of deals with with death and what one does um, to get over it not really the stages of grief but what happens when somebody dies what how does it kind of affect you and every the symphony consists of five uh, movements and every movement I kind of adapted and transformed into one part of the pen um, which is why it doesn't look super mega coherent just because every movement kind of deals with a different aspect of yeah what you go through and so there's like the overlay of the pen if people mm-hmm. click on the picture that I love the overlay, it's my favorite part. It's also coincidentally my favorite part of the symphony, uh, which is mm. the adagetto. And um, yeah, that's what I did. I tried to turn music into something visual and it turned into a pen. Surprise, surprise. And uh, <laughs> that's why it's called the symphony. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, because it is absolutely. Stunning. I have to ask you before I, I dig into more of the stationary stuff, where is the symphony right now? Uh right now it's on display mm-hmm. at Applebaum. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I don't Runner. know. Because I... otherwise it would be in my room and that would be a waste, I think. Maybe it's yeah, kind of nice. So, right. So I have this long running statement that I, I say repeatedly that pens are made to be used this is not this is an exception to that rule this is an art piece other people should share in the joy of this pen as much as any individual user i believe it's just it's stunning and it deserves to be seen and, and discussed um i kind of agree i kind of disagree as well mm-hmm. so <laughs> the thing is, as soon as i can uh, figure out how to make a second one i will make a second one and that one i'm gonna use to death it's perfect i hate that i can't use it but i don't but right now it's the only it's it's also kind of a prototype um Mm -hmm. really because how often can you actually make a pen that costs that much material Um, right 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 and i'm also gonna make more for people like i will i decided that i'll make another five pieces um, because mm-hmm. it's the fifth symphony. Um, Perfect. This one being number zero, because it's mine. <laughs> um, but as Love soon it. as uh, as soon as I can figure out how to take care of all the parts, um, I'll make more, and then I'll I'll use that one. I don't want it at Applebaum. Uh, I I mean I want one at Applebaum maybe for people sure. to look at and to see my work, but I want to use it. <laughs> I want to oh, use it I so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So how did how did stationery become a thing in your life to begin with? Like, so, you know, you've had uh, this whole music background and you're in goldsmithing, but you've always had kind of a background of love for stationery. So how did that start? Yeah. So, um, again, I'm from Austria. Austria is super old school with a lot of things. Um, and that includes in primary school or 
elementary school. Um, <laughs> you, uh, we have to use fountain pens to write or, or had to. I don't know what happens now. I guess nowadays kids just learn coding or whatever. Um, <laughs> which, to be fair, is really cool. Kind of jealous. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of like technically inept. But back in my day, in the 90s, um, in, in primary school, we had to learn to write writing and it's particularly cursive with fountain pens. So my first mm -hmm. fountain pen was a Pelican Pelicano P something, something. I don't mm. remember. It's blue. It's very ugly, but I, yes. <laughs> but it's great. Pe yeah. As great as Pelican is the Pelicanos. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. They're not cute. <laughs> they're not cute. <laughs> um, so I've always used it. And I remember in high school, people would then usually switch to bullet points. I remember not particularly liking them because you had to apply so much pressure and you'd kind mm. of press through the paper. And ugh, I didn't love that. So I kind yeah. of, I, I tried it a few times and every time I found myself going back to fountain pens because just because they felt better to me. Yeah. When I was 18, I, I asked for a, like a, a nice fountain pen for my birthday, like a, okay. whatever that means. Right. Right. Um, right. And I ended up getting a, <laughs> a, <laughs> a vintage <laughs> Mumbler 144. However, the people at the shop, didn't want me to use a gold nib because I'm left-handed. So I ended oh, up getting yeah. a glass nib in the Mont Blanc. <laughs> Can you imagine that happening right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, the irony is, uh, I, I don't know, it's tangible. It's its really funny yeah. considering how many pens I've had, I've like saved <laughs> in the last few years. Um, wow. But yeah, so when I got that, when I did research as to which pen I would like for my birthday, I... I, that's when I fell into my rabbit hole. I, oh, oh boy, that was 10 years ago. Wow. What happened? It's just, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the pins happened. Like, it happened to me too. It's like, wow, this yeah. is actually a thing and it matters to me and I want to share that with other people. And it, it, it's so cool. So as you went down kind of this fountain pen journey and were you just kind of using them all day? It was like, it was your main, main writing instrument. Did you enjoy fountain pens? And that was just kind of, you know, that's what you used and you used them, you know, through school and through life and things like that. Yeah, for sure. But there was also something, I don't know. It's actually kind of funny looking back. Um, I remember having to do homework when I was like maybe seven, your homework would be write 10 sentences about mm -hmm. something. And I remember just being so distracted by my pen that I, it took me ages to do the homework because I just kept looking at how how the ink came out of the pen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've destroyed a few nibs as well because I wanted more ink to come out of the pen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, I, I don't know. You know, yeah. there's just something magical about pens and how the how the ink just comes onto the paper and then if you for the first time get a vintage pen and you just wonder about who has used it what might have been written with this thing like who yeah. knows um yeah. and then at some point i wanted to figure out how pens write what makes them write what doesn't make them write um so i would buy uh like broken old fountain pens at antiquity stores and try to kind of restore them figure out why they work and why they don't work and on and on it went. And and now you actually take on work as uh, repairing pens, doing nib work. You work with Apple Boom. Is it is it fair to say you work for Apple Boom or work with Apple Boom? Um, I think. Hmm. Good question. It's kind of it's it's maybe like a mix between the two. I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not a freelancer who is hired in. I do have like a regular mm -hmm. paycheck. Gotcha. But when it comes to I have a lot of, um, I don't know, Yoast, the, the relationship between me and Yoast, Yoast is my boss at Apple Boom, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is very, how, how I, I can't think of the word, like we'd consider each other more colleagues and partners than anything else. Right. So right. he will always take my opinion into consideration. When it comes to pen mm -hmm. shows, um, I usually don't work as an Apple Boom nib specialist, but I'm my own person. Right. 
that kind of stuff. So you do, you work with them, work for them, but you also have personal clients, personal work. And, you know, uh, we have something very specific I want to talk about later that you're, that you're doing and that you're building. Um, But yeah, it's like, but it's a good, I mean, it's a good like working relationship. And if people go to Yoast or, or see Applebaum, they, they know that a lot of times that, you know, if they need some repairs that you will be working on them, especially, um, especially in the Netherlands and in in Europe and maybe eventually in the U.S. I don't know. I mean, so yeah, yeah. No, so I actually don't take on private nip work on at all anymore because I okay. because I suck at admin. I suck at replying to emails. Like, oh, hey, wait, is it a bad true. word? Is suck a bad? No, I'm sorry. No, okay, no. okay. Sorry. No, no. It's no. I'm feeling your pain in that. Like the the admin the admin work for creative people is like the worst bugaboo. Yeah. Right. It's it's the <laughs> worst. It's like can't I just do the thing and then magic happens from there? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't. How often do I have to tell people to just send the pen to Alpabom and order the product on the Alpabom website and we'll ship it back <laughs> and then my colleagues do the shipping? I just. Who's got time to do admin? Except unless that's your main thing, right? Like, I appreciate Yoast so much. He replies to all the emails. He does does all the customer care stuff. Um, Very grateful that he does that because I could not. It it also stresses me out so much. It's like, where's my pen? Why is it not done yet? It's like, because he gave it to me two days ago. (laughs) 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 Sorry. I love it. No, 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 no. So do, do you have a um, like a, a workspace set up at home? Is that where you do most of the work? Do you have a workspace set up at at work? Yeah, uh, uh, Annabelle <laughs> is showing me the setup right now. Like I, I that was a that was an easy question for me to ask because I can visually see it in the background yeah. of our call right now. Um, so yeah, you do take on most of the work at home. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at I'm at Oppelbaum once a week, and so mm-hmm. Mondays usually Mondays I do. So we have a service called. Um, what do we call it? Tune and smooth, maybe? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times when you order a pen at Applebaum, there's a, a little checkbox. And if you check it, then the pen will end up on my table before we ship it out to you. And that's basically just me making sure that the pen actually writes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people say, oh, I like it super wet and super smooth, but it's also a needle point. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll try to, to make that happen for the person and so Monday's out just for that, just the kind of quality control stuff before the pen goes out. And then any nib grinds and actual repair, um, I do at home. And I, I just take the bags of pens at home every week gotcha. and do that. What, I just had a, a question that I am very interested in. And hopefully, I think other people will be interested in. What is your um, quality control ink of choice? <laughs> what are you using to test the pens? To the de- detriment of many, many, many people, I use the same ink always, and it's Diamine Majestic Blue. <laughs> all right, all right. I just had I had to, I had to get that on the record. Uh, uh, I, it's it's funny how much I want to know people who do this for a living and are trying to gain consistent results. They mm-hmm. will commit to you know, especially people doing nib work and maintenance work. They commit to like a singular ink. Mm-hmm for that works because mm-hmm. so now you know what to expect you personally what to expect oh i've delivered this correctly mm-hmm. and this is the ink i use so i always want to ask that question yeah absolutely so you have to limit your variables right so the only variable right. you want is the nib the paper has to be the same and the ink has to be the same and then okay so what's the paper now the, the rhodia okay because Applebaum sells it and that means yeah. i can just grab it from the back <laughs> <laughs> and i think that might be the most common. Yeah, it's funny that um all the all the nibmeisters use blue. I wonder why why is that is blue just generally more um I don't know um to be a, fair a little bit better performance almost no I never see anyone use black. Uh, I mean okay uh black is a rough one right because mm-hmm. it'd be super mm-hmm. uns- like unsatisfactory if the black wasn't very very black. Yeah. Um, but if it's too black, then it's too hard to clean. <laughs> yes. Um, <yeah. laughs> and that's if I could go back in time, I would pr- maybe choose a different ink because Diamond Majestic Blue is kind of sticky and kind of mm. hard to clean. But it's just kind of what okay. I've always done. So that's what we're going to stick with. I'm not going to change it yeah. up now. Yeah. Yeah. It matters. Like it, it really matters. The people who work on products like you do, like it, it matters to like your consistency, your quality of work and to mm. how comfortable you are within sending that on to the customer saying, Hey, I did a great job here and this is the result and enjoy your pen. 
Exactly. All right. So I want to I want to bring in um, some talk about the Dutch Pen Show because I, I have a, actually a lot of questions oh about that. I don't know I don't know how much you're I- involved in that, but I want to I want to take our our last break right here so we can really dig into this because I'm it's more of a curiosity thing for me and like I didn't know even before I talked to you like if you're even involved in it at all. But I have questions so. But let me first talk about if I came over to the Dutch Pen Show and I slept in a hotel, would I get to use the Hello Pillow? So this episode <laughs> of The Pen Addict is brought to you by Hello. Hello make incredibly comfortable buckwheat pillows. I don't know if you ever tried one, but it, it's pretty different than your not. regular fluffy pillows. They're amazing. <laughs> I use one and like I, I can't not use it. It's kind of crazy. It supports your head and neck and doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like traditional pillows. Hello stays cool and dry compared to feather or foam pillows. Plus, buckwheat tends to breathe better, meaning it doesn't get all warm and humid. So no more flipping to the cool side of the pillow. It's always cool. And you can add or remove filling to suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way you like it. Turns out people have actually been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for years. They're popular in Japan and also appear on the pillow menus at fancy hotels that I'm going to stay in when I come to the Dutch Pen Show. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I, I love these pillows. I love them so much. They're made in the USA with quality construction and materials. Certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the United States. So here's the deal. You're probably curious to try one of these things out by now. And you can. You can sleep on it for 60 nights. And then if Hello isn't for you, you just send it back for a refund. Head to HelloPillow.com slash right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's HelloPillow.com slash And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount for up to $20 off, depending on which size you opt for. They have fast and free shipping with every order, and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. So give it a try. If you love it, keep it. If you don't, just send it back. So head over to HelloPillow, that's H-U-L-L-O-Pillow.com slash Penedict. And our thanks to Hello for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, wow. so... Uh, yeah, Are you going to bring me one of those when you come I to could. the Dutch pen shop? The, the, the only problem is it weighs like 20 pounds. Uh, just <laughs> it's like an it's, extra suitcase, that's fine. Which is perfect, yeah. actually, because you're going to have to bring back a whole suitcase right. full of pen stuff. Exactly. And I'm, I'm thinking I will just, if I go to the hotel with the pillow menu, I'll just steal it from there and bring it to you. <laughs> perfect. So that, that'd be easier. Perfect. That'd be perfect. All right. So... Tell me about the Dutch Pen Show. Are you involved in any of the show, like as far as like um, creation, admin, running of the show, or is your involvement strictly like attendee slash vendor? I am weirdly involved in the Dutch mm-hmm. Pen Show. Um, well, it's not. It's, <laughs> I guess it's not that surprising. So there are four hosts of the Dutch Pen Show, which is four different mm-hmm. shops, and I don't know how much I'm supposed to say, but my colleague at Applebaum really does most of it. Um, her name is mm-hmm. Chris and she almost single-handedly organizes everything, which this okay. year was a rough job um, due to, I don't know if you know, but there's been this slight health crisis going on globally. A little bit. Might have heard of something. Um, and so... Cone, I think it's called Conan. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, <laughs> except Conan seems to have gone away. Um, mm-hmm. So... My co- so the way that the Netherlands has been handling this whole thing is that every few mm-hmm. weeks or months we have oh you hear the bells again um, I do it's beautiful <laughs> um, you can uh, we have these press conferences where they say what's gonna be allowed or not allowed for the next month month and a half mm-hmm. or whatever so really we had a hot month and a half to put the whole uh, pen show together which is really wow. really hard um, and her being um, a close friend and colleague of mine i was like okay anything you can you can handle or can't like don't want to do just throw it at me i'll try um so i kind of taught myself how to use um adobe illustrator this year so i've been trying to help with like all the like visual stuff we um i i helped kind of figure out a new logo and any sort of like posters and flyers and um like the floor plan and all that i've been trying to help Mm. with that um but that also means that I've just kind of known who's going to be there and what's going to happen, what the schedule is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I heard a lot and I helped as much as I could. Um, yeah. So so <laughs> there comes the 
you're probably going to ask, oh, what's the show like? Um, and that's about all I know because I know mm -hmm. what we prepared, but what happened the show itself, I'm not sure because I was <laughs> at my table and there were lots of people and I like I got up twice to pee <laughs> and yep. that's about it. Um, yeah, I, you don't have to explain anything to me <laughs> about that. I understand completely. It's like I was there and it was busy and now I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like particularly just because I just sit at my table. I have a, like a line of people waiting. <laughs> Every now and then I look up and check the line and I think, oh, God, make it stop. <laughs> oh no what do i do next <laughs> and then i have the yep. next person and then they go away and i hope they're happier than before they sat down and then it, it, it was crazy because um the the last time we had the dutch pen show um my friend john srofka um who's mm -hmm. a, a nip specialist person from the uk mm -hmm. um far more established than me because he's been doing it for like decades Mm -hmm. um, and we usually sit next to each other and kind of work together to manage the line. But this year he couldn't yeah. come because of that little health thing. So I was all sure. on my own. It was hard. Oof. Apparently at some point people <laughs> stood in line for one and a half hours. It wasn't. Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out for the next one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, it's like one of those good problems, right? Like it was. Like we did the thing we put on the show and it was popular and we're happy about that. And, but did I, did everyone have like the best experience? You know, like I'm worried about every single pin that comes by. And yeah. Yeah. Sure everyone's happy. Right. So yeah, yeah I, I totally get And that. people kept bringing me food. And by the end of the day, I just had a pile of food <laughs> next to me that I never touched. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's so hard to stop. So what, what year of, of the show is this? It's, it's a pretty new show, right? Yeah. It's a, it's an infant show, I'd say. Um, yeah. This was yeah. the second edition Mm -hmm. Because last year there wasn't one. However, the next one is in half a year already. Because um, oh, the yeah. next one is on... Yeah, I hope date? I don't say... I think it's June 12th. Okay. I'm writing this down because... You're going to book a flight this... in five minutes. <sighs> I mean, I wish I would if the, if the world was... <laughs> In a, in a better place to where I, I know for sure I can make the trip. Mm -hmm. But ever since, you know, the first announcement of the the first uh, Dutch Pin show, it's been at the top of my list of wanting to travel and get overseas and see some some others. Between, you know, um, the Dutch Pin show, the London Pin show, and the Madrid Pin show. Mm -hmm. Like, those three are always, like, at the top of my list to go visit, go see, go see people um, spend some time in, in the communities um, that build up these shows because I, I I just think it's so cool to just have all these these friends around the world that do these cool things like this and and you know speaking of the community what is the Dutch pin community like because it seems you know I put I put like a kind of a generic weird question in in the show notes but only because I have so many friends in the Netherlands and it seems to be a very analog friendly type of community that really really get into their stationery so what's the what's the pin community like just in general where you're at um they're horrible I hate them no I'm kidding <laughs> uh, no 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 so so the Netherlands it's such a funny place I've been here for eight years now right um but it's mm -hmm. still sometimes I'm just so flabbergasted by how Dutch they are <laughs> um, so, because I don't think that fountain pens are really that much like ingrained into the culture as much. Um, I think people will own a fountain pen if maybe they have a fancy job and like to, to kind of show off their little Mont Blanc pen. People will have a fountain mm -hmm. pen if their parents maybe used one or they're particularly into writing or there's this new wave, right? And by new, right. I mean like maybe the last decade or whatever, how long we've been around, where people mm -hmm. realized, oh, wait, fountain pens are kind of cool. Calligraphy is kind of cool. Let's get into that. Um, but it's not so much that people grew up really using fountain pens. For example, mm -hmm. my partner, <laughs> when I met him, and to me, he's like a standard Dutch dude. 
And uh-huh. I asked him, hey, what's your favorite kind of stationery? And he's like, what's stationery? It's <laughs> 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 like, things on your desk. And he's like, oh, my computer, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's really not that commonly used. But when Dutch people mm-hmm. get into things, they really get into it with anything. They're just hell enthusiastic people. And yeah. then, yeah, so the Dutch community is... I don't know why. I don't know why. In p- particularly in this country, we have mm-hmm. so many cool shops. Obviously, Applebaum is the best, but like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I I mean, believe me, I haven't gone and, and researched all this, but like per capita, like coolness level of shops <laughs> in the Netherlands has got to be like really high uh, yeah, up there, right? So, you know? I was actually kind of worried when I moved here because I thought, you know, Austria, we have this like rich history of old stuff like Mm -hmm. how could now i live in this like weird country where everything's kind of modern and like Mm -hmm. everything's super innovated all the time and then it turns out that like the coolest shops are here and they carry the coolest brands and like a wide array of like international brands like i don't okay i might be wrong about this but 10 years ago i don't know where i would have bought a japanese fountain pen in austria but I right. also wasn't that much into it yet at that point. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it it ended up being a really lucky accident that this country just has so much uh, to yeah to provide. Yeah, it, it's really cool. That's why you know not just the the Dutch pen show would be at the top of my list, but just to travel for you know just like see the cool dutch stationary community and the pin community over there just yeah and we definitely and probably all the just cool shops we'd probably just like organize meetings um mm-hmm. just when you're here it would be like okay everybody get together <laughs> let's go and also because it's such a small country right um yeah you can just travel around really easily um we have various little pen and gr- like we have a, a local kind of the Hague pen group, hardly any one of mm-hmm. us live, actually lives in the Hague, but it just kind of mm-hmm. happened that we call it that group. But we literally travel <laughs> across the, the country, the tiny, tiny country, just to meet up in different places and go to different shops together. Yeah. It's really cool. It's fantastic. And that's something that we uh, in the United States miss out on is kind of the the active local scene, like where you can move from town to town easily and in those short trips, you can get like a world of difference where here it would be like very time consuming just to travel to like a singular place Mm -hmm. to see a singular thing. So yeah, like I, I I definitely, definitely want to get over there and, um, and and visit as soon as possible. I, I, I like, I'm not joking. Like since last year, like even when travel was shut down, it was like the 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 Dutch pen show and the London pen show were a weekend apart, and I was like, I mean, that's perfect for me. And then, of course, we couldn't do it. So now it's yeah. And then there's also the the Hamburg pen show. I think is around that time as well, and the Pelican okay. Hub is around that time as well. So nice. the fall autumn. Yeah, um, I, I'm in. <laughs> that, I'm that's in. A, that's usually quite a busy um, time period for us. It's really cool. Yep. Yep. All right, so let's let's take it into some stuff that you're using or more specifically some stuff that you're showing on Instagram. Uh, so uh, there's uh, a uh, certain <laughs> set of nibs that you've shown on Instagram and I'm going to put a link in the show notes mm-hmm. to this. And I imagine since you've posted this picture it's become a little bit problematic for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so uh, just just for listeners who have not clicked through the link yet, which you will, I'm the front picture. There's three three images here on Instagram. The front picture is five very custom nibs, and I'll let you take it from there. Um, yeah, correct. That's what they are. Um, they are <laughs> the, the nibs. I made them. They're kind of fun. So I I've actually given them a name finally because for for months okay. I called them just the foldies, <laughs> which. <laughs> I mean, that kind of describes them, but it's not as pretentious as I want them to sound. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so here's here's what happened. Um, I Obviously, for years and years and years, people have been really into stacked nibs. Um, and I kept thinking, what a shame it is that people take a nib and then they take a second nib and cut that in half and just put it on top of the other like in my mind, design-wise, there had to be a way to just make a nib, 
that doesn't that has kind of this stacked layered thing to it without taking two perfectly fine nibs and just you know um welding them on top of each other so i kept thinking i kept drawing making prototypes out of paper and whatever and i arrived at those things (laughs) (laughs) um these ones and so the reason that these ones are silver is because i'm technically still a broken student um and silver (laughs) is much cheaper than gold (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that that's the idea i wanted to recreate this kind of layered effect um on a nib but it being made of one sheet of metal um and then I kind of wanted to see what happens. Turns out silver is actually really, really cool because standing silver on its own would be technically too soft um, to use unless you really, really like work hard on it. But because you have the two layers on top of each other and they're all welded to the same point, that just kind of makes them a bit sturdier, but they're still quite soft. Um, the only thing I'm still unsure about is how well it holds up over time being uh, touching ink. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. how the ink mm-hmm. affects the metal um, over a long period of time. That's something I'm still testing. Um, but regardless of that, it's it's kind of inevitable that I really, really, really want to get into custom nibs because there's so much cool stuff you could do. Um, and I think that's kind of that's something that we deserve and don't get much from the pen world, I think. Um, like if you look at Montblanc, you can get the craziest design pens, but you always get the same nib. Um, and right. I think we really, really, really crave a unique nib experience. And whenever something new comes out, we're like, yes, give me that. Let me try that. Let me experience something new. So that's kind of what I'm chasing right now. Um, I've also made some gold versions of it as well. Oh, and I haven't even said the name yet. So I call mm. them, okay, hold on to something. So you don't (laughs) faint from the pretentiousness. I call them the harmonic nib series. That might not mean much to you. However, if you have studied music, um, basically my friend Drew said, hey, do you have a name yet? And I said, no, what do I do? And he's like, well, is there any way that you can incorporate a music term with something that kind of overlays itself or whatever and i said oh my god you're a genius that's exactly (laughs) what this is so a harmonic series um refers to okay how to explain this uh let me let me eli five this for you um (laughs) so any note will have a kind of bass sine wave to it right Mm -hmm. it'll you know you kind of know what that looks like that's like goes up and down Um, And so the reason that your voice sounds like your voice and my voice sounds like my voice, even though we might talk at the same pitch or whatever, is because your sine wave will kind of, um, it will have this thing called overtones where you take the same note and it kind of shortens it and lengthens it. And oh God, how to explain this? Ah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So every voice or everything doesn't just resonate on the sine wave, but there'll be something called overtones, which is that bass tone, but maybe twice as fast or three times as fast or four times as fast um, frequency-wise. And depending on how many overtones your particular voice has, that is what makes it sound like your voice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's really, yeah. It's kind of it's really hard to explain. I wish I had some visuals to... Google it. It's cool. It's a yeah, cool no, science acoustic sense. stuff. Um, like if you, for example, look at a string and you pull it mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you like s- slow it down, slow down the footage, you see that the string itself will not just swing like in its entirety, but there will also be some knots in between there. So it'll also right. swing within itself in its half and in its third and in its fourths and fifths and so on and so forth. And that's what you, and those knots create overtones and so depending on which overtones are activated with any individual thing that'll make it sound the way it does um and so this kind of like overlay idea i ended up choosing as the name for these as in the harmonic nib series overtones you call a harmonic series that's it thank you it's thank kind you, of thank amazing you. <laughs> <laughs> wait hang on <laughs> yeah it's really i 
actually, as soon as you said it, I was like, okay, that's perfect. And then with the explanation, okay, it's really perfect. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's out. That's outstanding. I, I think that's that's really cool. So what what is your like? What is your hope for these nibs? Like, do you want to make these as like a thing? Like, you know, going forward? Like, what's what's the plan here? Uh, um. Okay. So something that I'm working on right now. It's very recent. It's very chaotic. I don't know what's going to happen. But a month ago, I went to the Dutch Chamber of Commerce and signed up my own company. I'm very excited and I'm very stressed. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's a big deal. But yeah, so I'm basically starting my own business. And he's hoping I want to make a batch of these in the future I was hoping early December, but that's clearly not happening. <laughs> um, yep. And so I would love, uh, so the idea of the company is to just make different stuff, custom nibs, custom roll stoppers, just anything that would allow me yeah. to put in my creativity, make cool nibs, um, make more pens. Definitely like the symphony can't have been the last one. There has to be more. Um, but yeah, so my idea is that that will just be, a like a series the harmonic nib series um and to then also so i think the first batch i would just do want to look kind of fundamental and basic and then once i've sold that first batch from a business perspective so i can afford more tools um (laughs) i would love to just make more custom nibs be these be it just normal nibs be it new designs that i come up with and for the first 10, so that's the idea. I want to make first 10 pieces um, and they're going to be in pens that I won't turn, but the, my friend Tone will turn. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of them, but my friend's Giants Pens. They're, uh-huh. the, they're the only Dutch pen maker um, yep. that I know of. And they're also some of my best friends. Um, so they're going to make the pens for me that I can put the nibs into. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of my idea and my goal to make more stuff <laughs> i love it i love it i'm super excited for you and i i know it's nerve-wracking but it, you got this it's it's gonna be great and i know you have the like the full support of the community and you know one of the things you mentioned before just about our basic expectations for nibs in general for our fountain pens it's like you know what it, it kind of is lacking and i love to see this creativity come out especially from you know someone i know like like yourself who i know like really really believes in this stuff i think it's just fantastic thank right. you it's nerve-wracking keep... <laughs> <laughs> it is you got this you got this uh, thank you all right so now we go to further nerve-wracking oh, questions God. because i put something in the show notes i'm gonna i'm gonna get you out of here We're, we've been like an hour i don't want to take too much of your time but i have to get to this question and i don't normally do gotcha questions but oh, i God. think this is gonna be fun so I put it in the show notes. Top secret fun question is all you know about what I'm about to ask you. But let's just say I might know people who might know you and they mentioned that I might should ask you about your F1 fascination and a particular, <laughs> a particular notebook that you keep um, relating <laughs> to Formula One. Can you explain this to me? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I don't... See, easy question. Easy, Top secret easy. fun question. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Okay. Um, I reckon your audience is mainly American, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're pretty worldwide, but yes, yeah. mainly. Okay, so, America recently has discovered Formula One a bit more, and I'm very yes. excited about that. Formula One is the only sport I follow. It's very mm-hmm. cool. It's very dramatic. There's so much going on. Um, there's like individual people you can root for. And I really, really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I even ha- I have my own Discord where we have a Formula One channel where we talk about Formula One once a week. Oh, cool. So, yeah, Mike's a huge Formula One follower. Well, hop on my Discord. Come chat with All us right, while we I'll watch the race together. It's so I'll good. I'll get him on there. Um, and so I just, in my bullet journal, I have a double page every year where I track every single race. I track all the points every individual uh, driver gets. I love it. I love the statistics uh, behind it. I 
love the drama within the show, um, the show, the sport. <laughs> which so the reason that it has recently become so popular in America is because of a Netflix show called Drive to Survive, which is mm-hmm. highly dramatized and highly inaccurate, but fun. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. And that's why more and more Americans seem to have gotten into it. And I'm very happy about it. More people should watch it. It's great. Um, and when you do, hop onto my Discord and talk to me about Formula One. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And if you want, we can we can share the link in the in the show notes to that if you're sure. if you're up for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I have not been bitten by the bug yet, but I am on the edge. Like I I'm a sports person. I generally like sports, and you know, not all sports, but I like sports with a certain level of nerdery. Mm-hmm. And F1, I think, would give me that. Oh, yeah. And I just, I, I, I'm one of those sports fans. If I'm into it, I'm all in. Like, I can't just watch it on the side and pick it up here and there and let me flip on this race on Sunday and pick it up. I have to be, like, in. Like, I have to know all the things. So, I haven't quite had the time to commit to that. <laughs> but maybe maybe buff before this season's out and heading into next season. Um Oh, imagine that, though! Imagine though, you came, you come to the Netherlands, and you, we go to the Dutch race, and then oh we head gosh. to the London Pen Show the weekend after, or something. Come on! Oh, <laughs> that I mean, you do not have to twist my arm for that. Like oh. that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, I mean, there's like, there's like many you things yeah. that you that could um pull you into Formula One, right? So there's like mm-hmm. a lot of history and like statistics or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's the the human aspect to it because Formula One in 2021 is very different than it was in the 90s because a right. lot of the drivers are young and have Twitch channels, right? You right. know them really, really, really well. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is, of, of course, the engineering. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't know much about engines. And again, my partner will tell me about this engine is really cool because it does that. And I'm like, yeah, like vroom, I'm not a car vroom. person whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> But being like, oh, now the the back wing does a little bendy thing, and that makes them be way faster on this track yeah. because they're no, <laughs> because the I don't know because the air is a bit thinner on this track because in like the mountains somewhere, this is so cool, and it just uh, I don't know. You can you can learn so much, especially if you know nothing about it. You're just like, wow, magic is happening. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on, but it's so exciting. <laughs> yep, yep. Like I. I see myself making making that move here bef- before long because it, it sounds like completely, completely up my that eye. That will be so. allowed. That will be allowed. Good. <laughs> we good. welcome right. you. And maybe I'd have to jo- join the Discord channel to to even to learn even more. So hell yeah, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> fantastic. So you're fantastic for joining me today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time, getting to learn more about you. I knew you were awesome like before even like talking to you online, but you were like legitimately great and a much needed voice in our space. And I am very, very uh, happy that you, you came on this show and thank you so much. Well, gee, how do I react to that? <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm so glad to have talked to you voice to voice for the first time. Yes. Finally, after, I mean, I've heard your voice lots of times for hours but it's mm-hmm. you know it's always a different thing to actually have a conversation and have a back and forth. Yep. And let's hope there's going to be a, a IRL version of that. Yes, I hope so. I, soon. There, there will be. I like. I'm not even going to say I hope so. There will be. Um, yeah. You know, we'll just have to figure out when. And this also, will, realistically, will... Um, if things get better, wait. I don't. Where are you based, roughly? Does the internet know? Um, Am I allowed to, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. East East Coast U.S. I'm in Georgia, so like I right. am actually as. N- not as close as I could be to getting over there, but like flights are not bad. Right. I've made that flight before. I, it's not an unrealistic expectation, I think, um, that I would make it to probably definitely the Boston show at some point. Right. Um, right, right. What's it called? The Commonwealth show? Commonwealth. And mm-hmm. maybe DC? I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah. How about everybody yeah. bully Yoast? um into okay. into making me go to the show because i would oh, love i'll do that because <laughs> he went to dc last year right yeah what does he yeah. have to provide huh <laughs> I'm sorry. yeah exactly <laughs> so i'll get i'll get i'll get on him i'll send him some some messages and, yeah uh, and we'll, i'd, we'll uh, I'd love happen. to experience a u.s pen show at some point as well because so yep. a thing that you guys have that we don't really too much is the like mm-hmm. after dark stuff 
like the Dutch Pencho is a one-day yeah. Pencho. People come and then right. they go. Um, Madrid is three days, so you have more of a uh, Pencho after that kind of vibe there. Yeah. Yep. London, kind of, but it's if you go to any of the Dutch Penchos, I really highly recommend um, also attending at least the Dutch Pencho because it's it's just a bit fresher, um, mm-hmm. like a bit. I don't know. We have like workshops, and it's yeah. Pe- there are people my age, whereas yeah. in London, like I love the London pension. I love the Dutch, uh, the the UK um, community. Right. However, it's quite established. Yes. Yeah. If the- <laughs> it, like uh, the our modern community likes the event idea mm-hmm. as it's opposed to the show idea yeah, yeah. right like i think there's a difference yeah, and it's I, I totally believe in that yeah yeah it's totally pen con and uh we we've talked about that like the best thing that we would all love is like to have a pen con would be like the greatest thing for the best all of us. so that would be cool the best that would be cool all right, so I'm going to get you out of here on that. Maybe, but I don't know. We should maybe talk until the bells ring again. I don't know. Oh, okay. I think it'll <laughs> be three like minutes. three minutes. Yeah. See, I'm already <laughs> on the time of it because I've been writing them down. So I see it's every 30 minutes. <laughs> really? but, but no, we're not <laughs> We're gonna. We're not going to do that. Um, thank you so much for joining thank me. Thank you. Uh, this was episode 491. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Harry's. And hello, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on, and um, this will not be the last time. So until next time, say goodbye, Annabelle. Goodbye, everybody.